This episode is brought to you by Pittsburgh Comics, recently named one of the best comic book stores by the Pittsburgh City Paper. Pittsburgh Comics is the premier comic shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, located in McMurray, conveniently near Route 19 and Route 79. Pittsburgh Comic carries a large collection of new and back-issue comics, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, games, statues, action figures, and more. Don't forget Comics Perks. With the Comics Perks program, you can earn points on every purchase you make in the store. You get a point for every dollar spent, and every 100 points can be redeemed for $10 off a future purchase. Go to PittsburghComics.com for more, or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The comic book pit? Okay. Welcome to the Comic Book Pit Podcast. This is episode 387. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, we've got Kate. Hey! And Link. Hey! So, you know, we're still in the middle of summer, and typically, if, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, summer is when we, we kind of, we slack. I mean, let's <laughs> face it. Everybody's summer, busy. Yeah, summer summer's tough. I mean... You know, I, I obviously other podcasts make it work, but we're not, you know, <laughs> like, hey, we, we earned a break, too. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. We got, you know, Sean's at the pool. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> That's why Sean is not recording with us. That's he's right. At the pool. <laughs> well, you know, well, to be fair, well, you know, he's he's performing his uh, performing daddy duties. So, yes, you know, he's he's being a good dad, good, good husband. So everybody should uh, take a take a page from Sean's playbook and uh, be a good dad, be a good husband, and go to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> While he right. left his wife nap because she had a hard day at work. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's what you got to do. You got to got to support your women, guys. Come on now. All right, and this has been relationship pit and. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know we're here to. You know, obviously, talk some comics, talk some some uh, movies, TV, whatever strikes our fancy. I was gonna I was gonna kick off real quick if you guys don't mind. Yeah, go for it. So, I'm kind of a big Moon Knight fan. Uh, been a Moon Knight fan for years. So, when they announced the well, first they announced that he was getting a uh, TV series or or series on Disney Plus. So I was really excited. And they announced that like Oscar Isaacs was going to be, yeah, you know, Mark Spector, and I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Unsurprising to no one, they uh, rebooted the series. So Moon Knight number one came out, written by Jed McKay, who's kind of a rising star these days. I believe he's writing uh, Black Cat. Yes, Black Cat. Yes, thank you. So we've got this uh, really striking cover by Steve McNiven, interior art by. Alessandro Capuccio, which sounds like a Starbucks drink, but 
<laughs> but the uh, the interior art is really good. So uh, Moon Knight's back, and but he is. It's kind of like a combination of different. I don't want to say different Moon Knights. As you say, you say he's back. Where was he before this? That's a good question. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like there's just no easy way to describe Moon Knight anymore because he's just been. No, absolutely. You know, there, so, so many people, so many creative teams have had their hands on him. There's a lot of good stories out there, but I don't feel like there's, there's really a, at least in the modern, in the current day, there's no real definitive Moon Knight. Um, no. I, I think the last we saw, he was in the pages of Jason Aaron's Avengers. I don't think he was on the team, but he was somehow he was he was part of this story where the it was just a this rand I feel like it was just a kind of out of nowhere random story arc where Khonshu, the the moon god that Moon Knight serves, basically took over the Earth, and at okay. first. Moon Knight was, you know, he's he's Moon Knight is oftentimes referred to as the the fist of Khonshu, but in, in this case, he really was his his servant on Earth, kind of uh, facilitating the takeover of Earth by Khonshu and his armies. But then, you know, of course, he he turned around, he he flipped on Khonshu, he. Uh, he and the Avengers, I believe, you know, fought back, uh, defeated Khonshu, and Khonshu was imprisoned, I think, on Asgard. But, okay. So that kind of left Moon Knight, you know, like hanging out in the, you know, kind of just hanging out there. Um, so in this, uh, he's still he's still worshiping Khonshu or serving Khonshu, but it, it's. It's. It, I don't want to say he's. It's not really a cult that he's started. It's. It's, it's almost like Darn. this. It, it's almost like a like this grassroots, street level, social service. Uh, it's. It, it's called. It, it's called the Midnight Mission, and it's. It's people that come to him and petition for his help against the weird and horrible things that happen at night. So. Okay. So. So this is Moon Knight protecting you know what he calls like you know nighttime travelers or people that are, are out in the night so, oh yeah because that yeah that was country's deal right like he was the, the like he protected yeah the, yeah he, yeah he protected that was like the origin yeah yeah he protected those who travel at night and so there's there's several kind of um uh different scenes of him fighting you know, vampires and werewolves and different creatures and just, you know, he's, but he, he's, you know, he's in his, his kind of like more traditional superhero look with the, with the hood and the cape and the, the moon on it, uh, the crescent moon. Okay, on it, yeah, yeah. But when he's talking to people in the midnight mission, he's in his, his quote unquote, Mr. Knight. Oh, so he's got like the suit and the suit on. And yeah. And he's wearing like the full like mask, but he's wearing like a, a stark white suit mm-hmm. and he just talks to people one-on-one. Uh, also, interestingly, another person he talks to d- throughout this first issue is a, basically like a superhero psychologist, I guess, as a condition of Moon Knight's 
freedom by the Avengers, you know, hit, hit, their condition was you got to talk to like a psychiatrist because you're, you're, <laughs> sure. you're like messed up in the head, which we all know. That's something that they always yeah. play up is Moon Knight's multiple personalities. And, um, and sometimes that's done well. Sometimes it's not done well. Yeah. Uh, they they don't really play up the multiple personalities too much. I mean, it, it's mentioned, but it's not really part of the story. But they, you know, they they bring up some some interesting concepts like uh, can Moon Knight die? I mean, he's apparently died and been resurrected several times in his career. You know, mm-hmm. can can he die, or is the power of Conchu, uh, you know, really part of him and and just resurrecting him all the time? And it also it, it introduces uh, introduces a couple potential adversary uh, adversaries uh, later on, but it's just a, it, it, it's a good first issue. You, you don't really need to know a lot going in. They tell you enough just to get you interested. Uh, you don't have to be a big Moon Knight fan to enjoy this uh, for the story. the The art is like I said, the the art super is like really good, uh, very solid. So I'm definitely, definitely in. And, and like I said, if, if, if someone has even a passing interest in this, you know, because of the show, or maybe it's like, oh, I've always been interested in Moon Knight, but I didn't know where to start. This is as good a place as, as any <laughs> right, yeah. to, to, to start. So I might actually uh, go back and try to pick those up because they've been catching my eye, but I'm so out of the loop. I was like, I don't know, but no, this sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it, it it's a good jumping on point to kind of, it, it kind of cuts through all the Moon Knight garbage, all the mess. Yes, like, yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't say anything like, there's no editor's note, like, go back and read four volumes yeah. of Moon Knight to know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. You know. What, what volume is this? Do you, do, do you know? Like, is this God, like it would 12, have to be, 20? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's probably volume five or six. I, I feel like it's in double digits. It's well, plus, well you, I guess it depends on what they count as a volume in a miniseries, right. but well, that's also hard because then they sometimes they'll revert to their legacy numbering. Yeah. So it's nearly impossible to figure out. Yeah, I wonder if it says in the. And now I'm actually curious. I wonder if it says in the <laughs> in the indicia. Uh, let me look real quick if there is sure. even is. Uh, you know what? I also have a like my copy's digital, so oh, it might not have it's it. not yeah. gonna have the fine print like it might in a physical copy. Um, anyway, yeah, you know the last the last time I read Moon Knight was uh, I guess the Jeff Lemire book. I think I think he wrote that one. It was like a twelve issue series where he was like mm-hmm. in an insane asylum. It was yes. interesting. I liked what he was doing. It was totally disconnected from every other Moon Knight thing ever, but yeah. right. But also not in a way like it was weird where like you, you got the most out of it if you were a huge Moon Knight fan, but that continuity technically didn't matter to the story. Yeah. I think the one that I purposely did not read, but now I think that maybe I should go back and try it because I think it only lasted maybe 12 issues was Brian Bendis's. I was going to say, yeah, I want to say it's, it lasted probably that long. That sounds about right. It did not. It was very short lived of a concept. Yeah, I I just didn't read it at all. I think I might've been kind of like burned out on Bendis. And then when I saw he was coming on Moon Knight and I'm like, I, I really can't see him putting a good spin on Moon Knight. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to leave that one there. 
Yeah, it was. But I interesting might enough. Yeah, I might. Uh, I might check it out just for funsies. Yeah, because now I'm trying to think. Actually, from the like, it went like Bendis to Ellis, I think. Yes. And then there's like a one in the middle of the Ellis run. Uh, Brian Wood, I think, took over for a while. Yeah, Brian Wood, and then I think they renumbered it with somebody else, and I don't even remember who it was. And then it was Lemire, and now it's this. So even within like the past, like there's like a new series every year, roughly. Yeah, I might. I'll probably edit this out, but I'm going to go on Marvel Unlimited because it sure it basically lists all the all the volumes. Um, Okay, so so here's what we have so far. Okay, so there was a Moon Knight series from eighty to eighty four. Then and then there was one from sorry, either my iPad's being a dick or <laughs> Marvel Unlimited is being a dick, or they could both be conspiring against yeah. me. <laughs> it's Conchu. We're rising up. That's right. It's Conchu. He's 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 back. Uh, okay, so from <laughs> it went from uh, there was an uh, eighty to eighty four. Yeah. Then it jumps from 2000, the, the 2006 to 2009. That had to be. No. Really? Oh, no. That was. Uh, yes. I forgot about this one. This was uh, the one that David Finch was drawing. It was. Uh, oh, I, th- I think I read this. Charlie, I think I bought this at like a giant eagle. Charlie. Houston. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Houston was was drawing, was writing it. So that was 2006 to 2009. And then Bendis's was. 2010 to 2012 the ellis one was 2014 2015 and then lemire was 2016 to 2018 but i think one that we are forgetting yes there it is vengeance of the moon knight yeah 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 was 2009-2010 and that was i think greg herwitz and jerome pena started that that sounds right. I remember. I, I think I read the first few issues of that, and it was pretty good. But it only lasted ten issues. Yeah, so, I remember. I guess I read some of the 2006 one because I thought, I think that there's a. I remember one of them tied into Dark Rain, where like Moon Knight was trying to take on Norman Osborn or something, and then had to flee to Mexico or some shit. <laughs> like afterwards, like I, I don't because the Sentry was gonna get him or something. So that might have been in the the Greg Hurwitz one because there was the century on the cover of one. Yeah. So, but I think there might've actually been, and, and maybe it's just not on Marvel unlimited. It might just been oh. something else too. Oh wait, there's one that's called Mark Spector moon Knight. Yeah. See, that's the other thing you you can't, you can never tell because they juggle the title around a lot. Yeah. You can't just look up what volume of moon Knight this is. Cause technically maybe it's vol- moon Knight volume six, but there's probably been like, <laughs> 12 Moon Knight series. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's... Okay, Mark Spector Moon Knight was 1989 to 1994. And the those later issues, that's when Stephen Platt rose to prominence. Okay, yeah. He started on Moon Knight when he was nobody, and that book was literally dying. It was... I think, I think it was already slated for cancellation. They put Stephen Platt on it, and it starts selling like hundreds of thousands of copies because Stephen Platt was like the new hot thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think Stephen Platt did like three issues and he's like, ah, screw you guys. I'm going to image. They're going <laughs> to, they're going to pay me cars. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. They're going to give me a lot of money. Yeah. So God, there have been so many Moon Knight volumes. I, uh, yeah. So actually this, I, I said, I thought there were five. I think we counted at least seven. Yeah, easily. No, it, it, and I think there's it's a it's a growing. List. I think there's at least one more out there. They're probably all good to read, but you're going to get a different story every time. <laughs> yes. I don't think that I, I can't imagine there's any consistency b- between the I, volumes, other than the fact that every volume is going to bring up the fact that Mark Spector has multiple personalities. Yeah, I think I think the expectation is that you're like you have a passing familiarity with like the original run and maybe one of the ni- the '90s run, mm-hmm. um, and then after that it's like all bets are off. It's yeah. it's just a fresh story each time. It, Anytime I've ever picked it up, mm-hmm. it's it's always been like, well, uh, here's a new situation, and now uh, Moon Knight has the personalities of Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain <laughs> America in his brain. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think from what I remember, the the Warren Ellis written ones were really good because I think they were all. Oh, like, they, they were totally written like in a way where it's like you don't need to know squat. Yeah, you can just pick it up. They were all like, and they're like standalone ish. Yeah, they were all single issue stories, and I always re- remember that one issue, that fifth issue where it was like like the movie um, The Raid, where it was just him going into this this giant. Oh yeah just giant building and him like make, it was almost like a video game almost where he like, he went systematically like floor by floor fighting people mm-hmm. fighting goons until he got to the top or something. It was really good. Yeah. That was really good. I mean, they were all really good, but that mm-hmm. I do know what one you're talking yeah, about. That one definitely stood out. So yeah. So the, <laughs> the moral that's all that is just go read some moon Knight. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what Moon Knight. Just go read some Moon Knight. As long as you start with number one somewhere, you'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's right. Why don't one of you guys take it away? Um. Well, you did mention Jeff Lemire briefly, so I'm going to use that as a segue into mine. I will not be talking about Sweet Tooth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though that's the big Jeff Lemire hot ticket because of the recently released uh, Netflix show mm-hmm. that isn't so recent at this point. Um, but at some point on the show, I talked about the first volume of Gideon Falls, and this is Jeff Lemire with, is it Andrea Sorrentino? Uh, yes. It's not Andrea. Yes, it's not Andrea. It's not Andrea. Andrea. Um, which uh, quick uh, wiki dive told me that they've actually done quite a bit of work together before Gideon Falls. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Um, What's really nice about this is if you're unfamiliar with Gideon Falls, but you like horror, it is really good at telling a horror story. I feel like we've read enough horror comics to get a good sense by the second volume. If it's a promising series, just like, let's say a horror movie franchise, your first one is good, but your second one may not be as good. This is continuing to tell a really good story and still makes me want more. I don't have that much more to say uh, without any spoilers. It definitely deserved the Eisner that it got. Mm. It's a really fucking good book. (laughs) Is it? um, And it's one giant continued narrative. It is. Yes. Uh, Yes. I was just checking because I know sometimes like uh, like beauty, for example, like each trade is kind of its own weird. No, thing, this is but. definitely telling one big story, although it's not necessarily a linear story. Okay, cool. Ooh. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been inter- I've been buying them for her. I haven't gotten to read them yet, but uh, I've been interested in Gideon Falls for a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just a sucker for anything that Jeff Lemire is writing. Usually, <laughs> that just seems to be what happened. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think we. I'm gonna have to check. I'm I'm pretty sure we we get those. We get uh, Gideon Falls either in issues or in trades. Uh, this preview book. Yeah, review. So I'm gonna. Mm. I'm, I mean, yeah, Image is really good about that. It's gonna it's gonna be one of those things where it always turns out it's like. You know, this is on the on the preview drive <laughs> that you're not looking through hard enough. But we're also kind of like, eh, we'd still probably want to give them yeah, our money anyway. Them, oh, yeah, so. absolutely. Um, But yeah, the art's awesome. The story's great. It's really creepy in a different way. Like, it's not necessarily gory. It just has an it's overall like, unsettling yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's like more foreboding yeah. type stuff. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, I, I could see that in some of the art when you were flipping through that. It, it kind of gave off that it's a lot, a lot of dark colors and cool. Yep. Well, I was gonna say, um, cool color palettes. The the artist of uh, Andrea Sorrentino is very, from what I remember, uh, him on in the past. He's he's definitely got a. I don't know if he he inks himself, but whoever if it's him or whoever works with him, definitely favors a lot of like a lot of heavy inks or a lot of like dark colors or a lot of blacks um mm-hmm. yeah wiki basically said that's kind of his his signature mm-hmm. is like the heavy inking all right so i'm gonna jump in with another horror book then for also from image um so this is uh the me you love in the dark which i keep for some reason, I don't know if it's the way that the title is, because some of it's capitalized and some of it's not, but I have such a hard time reading the title of this book. <laughs> like, it's like lo- regular case the, and then me and you and love is in all caps. And I don't know, it's throwing, it's throwing my brain off. I feel like I'm, like, not saying it right. But anyways, um, it's written by Scotty Young uh, and the arts by uh, Jorge Corona. Um and I think it's the same. It might even I, the coloring and everything. I think this is the same exact team that does uh, Middle West. I could be wrong there because I've not read Middle West, but I recall seeing that mentioned somewhere. Yeah, actually, now that I'm looking at the back of the book, the artist and the the writer are both Middle West, um, which is another image book that's apparently good according to uh, Scott. The premise of this is like super, super basic. Um, you've probably heard this like a million times. Uh, there's like a struggling artist who's got like, or not even struggling, a successful artist who has artist block. Um, and so they decide the best cure to that is to um, find a spooky mansion that's haunted and, and live in it to that get to get well. ideas. <laughs> right? They're like, this will inspire me to create art. Granted, she doesn't think it's actually haunted, but it's like atmosphere, or whatever, middle of nowhere kind of thing. And so she's in this house. Um, she's getting calls from her her art curator guy in, in the big city being like, where's your shit at? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of like a lot of the panels are just her painting. Um, it looks really good. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's her kind of just talking about her situation and being frustrated with her with her artist block. But throughout the book, there's like this weird spooky tendril looking thing. Like it's like this. it's hard to describe. It's kind of like a paint splatter almost of like, uh, like I want to say it's a tentacle, but it's not. Um, It's just kind of like this wavy line with like 
It almost kind of looks like an earthworm, actually. Like if you took, like if you covered an earthworm in paint and slapped it on a page, that's kind of what it looks like. Hmm. Yeah, big Beetlejuice worm in the one scene. Well, yeah, looks like to me. Yeah, it does kind of look like a sandworm too. Um, but anyways, that's supposed to represent like the ghost in this scene. Um, so like it's around and it's in the house and some spooky things kind of happen and she's like, uh, sassing this ghost because that always ends up working out well. Um, but she's like, Hey ghost, why don't you, uh, you know, be helpful and help me out and like fill up my glass of wine and like turn on my radio or my uh, record player and like stuff. And so like later on, she like comes back or she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like a full glass of wine and her record players on. And she's like, Oh shit, what's going on? I think I'm losing it. And then lo and behold, you know, there's an actual ghost. It talks to her. Um, it seems like it's a relatively cool ghost. Like, it doesn't seem like it's, uh, um, like, it scares the hell out of her, and then, like, she runs out of the house and has, like, a panic attack, um, and then she comes back in, and there's, like, um, black paint, paint spots all over the ground, and then, like, when she gets back to the canvas, it has written in letters, like, I'm sorry, like, it, like the ghost is apologizing for scaring her, so hmm. it, it might go in, like, right. A, yeah, right, like, it might go in an interesting different way, but, like, the entire time I was reading, I was, like, God, this is such a cliche horror movie trope. Like, where are we going with this? And then, like, it, that that ending, I'm like, okay, maybe this is where we're going with this to make this, like, a story worth telling. So I, I'm excited to read the second issue. Um, uh, the, the first issue, writing-wise, like I said, is, like, eh, it's tropey. It's, it's, it is what it is. Um, but the the actual art and stuff was really interesting looking and, and well done. And, and the way that they did the, the, the creepy ghost effect was pretty neat. Okay. So, and wh- who um who published that link? Oh, that's an image book. Okay. Okay. So uh, well, that's probably something. W- it's another one I'm gonna have to look up. That's probably yeah. I bet you. I bet you any money. It's on the yeah. 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 I've been seeing Scotty Young obviously hype it on his Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, and that that was Spooky Corner with the Cop Millwards. Yeah. Right. No, I I'm <laughs> I I'm. I'm torn on Scotty Young writing because I just I just want to see his artwork all the time. Like, Fair. Yeah, no, I mean I'm definitely I mean I'm excited for him writing stuff, especially as, I think he does better with his own indie stuff than trying to write uh, comic book char- like superhero characters. Mm-hmm. Was he the one that did that one shot of Spider Man though? The one that made us uh, cry. Made me cry. Yeah. That's Chip Zdarsky. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, he did do Fantastic Four though, right? Way back in the day. Scotty Young did a Human Torch oh, book. Yeah, okay. he did a Human Torch like four issue mini. I think, like a, I think that was his first Marvel work. Uh, probably. Yeah, he did like that, and then he did the New Warriors. Oh, that's right. He like, did before, before the New Warriors. Like he took the fun idea of like they're a reality TV show, and then mm-hmm. somebody came, yeah. I forget who came along and was like, well, the reality TV show killed a bunch of people, and now there's a civil war. But <laughs> he, had the, he had the fun idea of the reality TV show when he was doing that book, drawing it at least. But yeah, no, he's come a long way, for sure. So I've always appreciated seeing his work grow. What's your other book? Oh, sure. We'll do, I'll, do, I'll do another one if you're, you're peer pressuring me here. So I... Speaking of uh, Marvel stuff, um, so I read Spirits of Vengeance, Spirit Rider. It, not Ghost Rider. Not Ghost Rider, kind of Ghost Rider. I I didn't do enough research before I bought this book, and I realized like I threw myself in the deep end. But it, it's <laughs> written by Taboo and B. Earl. I, I mean, that is, yeah. I got to look this up because I've... 
I've not heard of this book, so I want to check it out. Sure. Um, and the the art is by Paul Davidson with colors by uh, Dan Brown. The like, I, it it feels okay. So historical context, I guess. Um, there is the there's two characters in this book. There's Demon Rider and Ghost Rider, and Demon Rider is Kushala, who time traveled from the 1800s during, uh, I guess, the Doctor Strange books, which I was kind of reading and kind of fell behind on. But they did a book series called, um, I think, The Sorcerer's Supreme. Mm -hmm. They did like a trans-dimensional multiverse, like, you know, uh, Spider-Verse thing, but with Doctor Strange's. And so she's the Sorcerer Supreme of some other time era, and she's um, Native American, which is pretty cool. And that so like I saw her on the cover, and I forgot that she existed. And I was like, oh, sweet, they're gonna do another new Ghost Rider. Okay, I'll check it out. Like, there's like ten of them now, but you know, sure, I'll <laughs> you know I'll get it on the ground floor for another Ghost Rider book because I always try. I really like the concept of Ghost Rider, and it never works out. Um, but the way that this worked out, it almost felt like this was like the epilogue to that that uh, Sorcerer's Supreme series because the, the overall concept seems to be kind of like a uh, uh, j just kind of wrapping her up for what might be her a new ongoing series featuring her. Because when the book ends, it's like, you know, the adventures will continue. Uh, yeah, in a bold new series in the fall starring Kushala, the, the spirit writer. Um so I, that's kind of what this book turned into, but the premise was sort of like uh, something's going on with Johnny Blaze and and his his spirit of vengeance and Kush and Doctor Strange shows up and is like, hey, I got I know somebody who can do this cool thing, and that cool thing is that she can go on like a spirit journey through that person's psyche. So it's like one of those books, right? Where like nothing's actually happening in the real world and it's kind of doing some Doctor Strange trippy stuff, where she. And that is why she's called the spirit rider because she, she rides people's spirits. <laughs> um, and so they hop inside of Johnny blaze and they do like a what's what of like the greatest hits and tragedies and traumas of what makes ghost rider ghost rider, I guess like his dad dying and his family issues and this and that. And it, it was interesting, but it, I, I have a distaste for for those kind of stories where it, where everything just kind of happens in a dream uh, or in like yeah. some spirit, I, it, it's just not my thing. I never like them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the art's really cool, and I like where it ends up. Um, I probably would have appreciated this more had I read the Sorcerer's Supreme book and was more familiar with this character beforehand because it seemed like it was like a very big um, growing point for the character by the end of the story. Like it's like like she goes through her own kind of metamorphosis and like self-acceptance and like all that kind of stuff and it was cool but like i said like i i just met this character so it didn't really hit me in any uh emotionally impactful way um but the art's really cool and what you're gonna chime in what do you got sorry i was over here not wanting to speak up about like hoping that whoever was writing this was like at least indigenous, not necessarily specifically native american so taboo is actually from the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Oh shit! I just, okay. I just, I just looked that up too. <laughs> he, based on his pictures, unless he is appropriating another culture, 
which I doubt he is at this point, um, hopefully, then I mean, yes, I, he has Shoshone Aboriginal no, heritage. No, I'm, I'm not knocking that at all. I think it, I, when I was reading it, I could pick up that it felt like it was very um, respectful Good. and coming from Good. a place of, you know, knowledge about this kind of stuff. Um, so it, it didn't it didn't come off across as like hokey Good. or anything like that. Good. Um, it's just for me personally, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I, I don't know who this character is. <laughs> so it was a lot harder for me to get into. Um, but I guess, yeah, it is kind of like a one shot. And I guess it's there to, unlike Moon Knight, um, try to tie together like a previous series with a new upcoming book. Yeah. As like kind of like a bridge comic. Yeah. I'm looking at the, some of the sample pages and the art is really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I dig really the artwork. Cool. Um, it's really good. It's, it also has like a good sense of humor, like leading up to them taking the dive into like Johnny Johnny Blaze's trauma world and uh, stuff and all of his baggage. Like it was, um, it had a good sense of humor about it. Like she seemed like a really fun, like laid back, regular character. It wasn't like she was. It, it wasn't being written in that way. We're like, okay, this is the Native American character. Like mm. we get it. Like like a like pandering. Like, yeah, it didn't feel like it was pandering. It didn't feel like it, it was being written by somebody who who was trying to like pigeonhole this character in a certain way or anything, which makes sense now yeah. because of the writers and who they are. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's worth checking out. I don't know. Um, I think if you've read Sorcerer's Supreme and you somehow didn't know this book was coming out, uh, I would pick it up a hundred percent because I'm sure. Uh, you would care a lot more about knowing what happened to the, that character since she's, from what I can recall, she seemed like an integral part of that book because I think she was on like all the covers for Sorcerer's mm. Supreme. Um, and if not, I mean, there's going to be a new series coming out, and it seems like it'd be a, a good book to check out if you if you want to check out a new Ghost Rider. Yeah. If uh, if you if you're not interested in the uh, the skeletons riding motorcycles. <laughs> and- even though there is an association with the black eyed peas, I will still give this a try because <laughs> it looks pretty good. Yeah. The, it, it, and I'm, I'm intrigued in the, uh, the concept of it. So yeah, like it's, yeah, it is cool. Like it, it, the way it's handled is cool. It's just, like I said, this is not my normal cup of tea for that stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There, I, that happens with Dr. Strange books too. So it, like I'm all about Doctor Strange doing like cool stuff, but once once he starts astral projecting and like, <laughs> I'm just out. I'm just like I don't know what you're doing at this point. I'm not high enough to <laughs> like comprehend the spirituality of this book. Yeah, no, I'm 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 right there with you. I I have a hard time with stories like that when, like you said, when they're on this kind of ethereal plane or of of existence. It doesn't really, you know, it's not on the physical plane. Or if it's like a dream or a hallucination or whatever, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of tune out a little bit. Yeah, so it's it's hard not to sometimes because you don't you're it's hard to know like what's what you're getting invested in, mm-hmm. or if it's just gonna end and be like, ha ha, that was a weird dream, and then like that's the <laughs> book. Everything happened in a snow globe. The end. <laughs> okay, so I have um, I got one book to talk about, and then we can. We can move on if there's nothing else after that as far as comics. Sure. So there's a new book from Image uh, called Ordinary Gods. Uh, I haven't read any Image stuff in a while, so I want to, definitely wanted to check this out. 
and it's uh, written by Kyle Higgins, who I I tend to like a lot of. Yeah, he's a good writer. Yeah, I tend to like a lot of his work. He's he's writing that current book that I also have been reading called Radiant Black, which I, I think I, I talked about on the show once. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And the artist is Felipe Watanabe, who I think he's done some work on The Flash, but his um, he's got a really nice, clean style. And it kind of, there were some parts of this, especially the more action oriented parts, reminded me of um, Lenil Francis Hugh. But um, this is really interesting. And it, so the, the book actually, when, when it first starts out, it's a little hard to follow because it's telling like two different stories and it's kind of jumping back and forth. I had a little bit of trouble following it at first, but I, I, I kept going. And then I was, then all of a sudden everything made sense. I'm like, ah, there we go. That's, <laughs> that's it. So what we've got is there's this world beyond our own, this realm that's made of like 13 different connecting uh, lands and each land has its own specific God. And these gods are kind of like they, they rule over their, their individual lands, but sometimes they fight each other or their, their followers fight other lands followers. And it's kind of this just whole fantasy thing. Yeah. Um, So, uh, after centuries and centuries of this, people are like, okay, we're getting tired of this. And even some of the gods were getting tired of it. So the gods were rebelling against other gods. So there was this giant war of the immortals. One group of immortals comes up with a way to trap the other group of immortals. They kind of create this pocket universe and create this planet for, since they, 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 they're like, well, we can't kill these gods because they're gods, but we can at least trap them on this other in this other pocket universe and put them on this planet and they can just live out the rest of their miserable lives on this little mud ball. <laughs> well, it doesn't go in their favor. The, the ones they were plotting against flipped it, you know, flipped everything around, trapped those gods on okay. this planet, the origin of this planet's birth and evolution. It turns out they're on the planet earth. Okay. Yep. So these gods have been on Earth since literally like day one. Um, they started out as like monkeys, and they have been living, dying, and evolving, and growing, and being part of Earth since the since the existence of Earth, and so they're they're trapped on on earth and they've, you know, they're in this endless cycle of death and reincarnation. And then it cuts to the present. There's this young, this young man, his name's Christopher. And he just seems like a, he's like a normal, like 20 something year old. He's lives at home. He's got parents and a little sister and he's got this kind of crappy job, but he's trying to figure out life and he sees a therapist and, well, you come to find out that he is one of these gods. He just doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And then something happens towards the end of the book that is that like totally shocked me. I mean, I I, I actually stopped reading. I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, 
but it, like like in a good way like it really yeah like, i had to go back and reread i was like whoa what just happened and you, it turns out that someone else in his family is one of these gods and they've and that person was kind of triggered and uh, like reawakened and made to realize who they are Re- meanwhile this young man he still doesn't understand who he is so he's at the end of the book you know he's he's left in this impossible situation and trying to figure out who he is meanwhile someone in his family is like i said come like fully realized that they are one of these gods and so now i, I think the story is going to be obviously him learning about being one of these gods learning what he can do like what powers he has or how strong and powerful he is. There's going to be more gods that they're going to come across, you know, cause the, there were a whole group of them that were trapped on the earth. You know, I'm looking forward to this, just this story just evolving. It, sounds, it does sound cool. Into something. Yeah. Really, really fun. And just, like I said, I, I, I got to the end of this issue and I'm like, okay, you got me. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely hooked. And it kind of reminded me of like, books like the old guard and God country where there's, they're really playing around with the having fun with people that are like these, you know, immortals or these gods mm-hmm. that are like, but, tra- but they're in like everyday situations or yeah, they're just like hanging out with mortals and doing mortal shit, you know? <laughs> so this is another one to jump in on. It's it, like I said, this was just the first issue and it really, once you get for, past the initial, I won't even say it's like a storytelling. I don't want to say it's a mess. It's just that they, they were just it's a lot of exposition. Yeah, there there's a lot of um, cutting back and forth between the you know explaining like they they, they had to set up all, like everything in the other realm. You know there, there yeah. was this whole backstory. They they kind of had to do this info dump uh, to explain. Okay, this is this is what's going on. This is how we got to here. Now this is what's going to happen on Earth. Mm-hmm. A lot of great two-page spreads. Uh, the, the art is phenomenal. It's you know, there's not a lot of artists who can do like awesome, fantastic, or superhero or action, and then like, oh, here's a here's a great shot of just this kid sitting in his therapist's office or his this kid sitting at the dinner table with his family. Like, you know, not everyone can just draw like normal stuff and make it look good. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some artists, they're great at drawing like, Oh, here's a three headed dog. That's as big as a building. And he's, you know, fighting Superman, but can't draw like a living room. You know? Yeah. It's a lot of times it's the, it's the mundane stuff that most artists haven't have a problem with, but this, this guy, this Felipe Watanabe, just mm-hmm. nailed everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm flipping through some images. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, he he does draw the shit out of a, a regular looking room. I'm, looking <laughs> at him, I'm assuming he's talking to his therapist in this one image, but there's like so much details on these bookcases. Yeah, that bookcase plants. is amazing. <laughs> like some artists are just like squares, rec- little blocks, right. but he's like individual books, like the little. Well, on the different- coffee table, like oh, the yeah, detail like a, is yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a. Uh, Furniture pit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's how you know you're an adult. <laughs> Guys, we're, yeah, no, we're going to really Ikea. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And this is definitely on the drive. So if you guys are interested in reading yeah, it, okay. but um, this is one that I would actually probably pick up in person just because, um, you know, when I, I read the review copy, it was great, but it, I, um, the two page spread, double page spreads are cut into, into individual pages. Um, so I kind of yeah. have to like do like a slow swipe back and forth to, <laughs> yeah. to capture the, both pages because, and, that, and that's also important because a lot of times the dialogue goes across the page, not yep. down the page. So sometimes if you want to understand what's going on from a storytelling point of view, you have to like go, you have to like swipe back and forth a couple yeah. times to get all the, all the captions. But that's it. Well, yeah, it's unless you're Bendis in which case <laughs> like, you don't know what those two spread page spreads are going to do. Right. <laughs> well, that's all I've got for comics. You guys got anything else or. Um, if we did, I bet it'd be another image book. Cause it's all we talked about. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't got anything handy right now. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and listen to one of our sponsors. And then we'll be back with some media talk. This week's episode of comic book pit is brought to you by Thriftburg. Do you need a gift that's more interesting than a gift card? Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s, they have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Comic Book Pit listeners also get 10% off their purchase of $20 or more with coupon code COMICBOOKPIT. That's all one word, comic book pit. So visit thriftburg.com and check out their hundreds of unique vintage items. All right, so we're back with some media talk. And um, I believe one or both of you, maybe one of you had a, you had a bone to pick with someone. Um, yeah, Kate, get into it. Wait, who did I have a bone to Disney. pick with? Oh, over the Star Wars resort. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I needed more prompting than that. I have a lot of bones to pick with people, apparently. Yeah, so everybody and their mom has known for a long time that the Star Wars resort was going to be coming. We all knew it was going to be expensive. Yeah, kind of Disney. Yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't... I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so Link and I are hardcore Disney people. Uh, in terms of going to the theme park, I think I'm more invested in the actual Disney media than him. But not yeah. by much. Yeah. Um, well, Disney media is everything. so I know. At this matter. point, Disney media is everything. <laughs> Somehow, I'm, yeah. It's... Um, which now includes Star Wars. So a long time ago at this point in a galaxy far, <laughs> far away, Disney decided to build a Star Wars resort. And again, we all knew it was going to be a lot of money, but they just released the prices and holy shit. (laughs) So Disney across the board has been since things have reopened from the panini because no one's saying the other word now. (laughs) Panini. Panini. (laughs) Panini. Um, They've definitely cut back on a lot of things and are charging a lot more for other things. Uh, Like we are going 
for our 10-year wedding anniversary, as long as Delta doesn't explode. Not the planes. Um, not the planes. <laughs> uh, we will be on a Delta plane. No, Southwest. Okay. Okay. We're okay. Uh, we are both vaccinated. We don't have children. So we basically feel safe going at this point. Um, but things that used to be affordable, like the Halloween party, they've like taken away a bunch of stuff from the Halloween party and then made it more than double the price. Yeah. So there's just a lot of things that we're not pay, pay doing. more for less. Pay more for less is basically what Disney is doing right now. And it's leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, there are people like we're fortunate that we don't have kids, so we don't have to worry about both the vaccine status of that. And also we don't have to worry about paying for children to go. Yeah. But like, I don't know how people are going to afford yeah, the resort. So, I know that there are people so that the, can, so the price points. but so the price points for Link and I to go for two nights, it's just under six thousand dollars. Whoa! Two nights. Yep. <laughs> now yep. it's a fully immersive experience. Now that that yep. is, that does not include your travel. It does nope. not include travel. Okay. It includes your food for those two days. No alcohol. Your room and board. <laughs> no alcohol. And your immersive experience, you're basically LARPing in Disney. Yep. You get to, to role play, hang out with people just as Jedi and pretend you're a Jedi or probably not even that. They're not going to let you be a Jedi. You get to be like a rebellion member or something, probably. Or maybe you get to choose. Who knows? I don't, yeah. I don't know the full details. None of us know. They, they just kind of gave a price point. It was like, it's a yeah. cool immersive experience. You use a cool phone app to run around the, the, the Galaxy's Edge part of the park. Which, honestly, I don't think it's – I mean, I, we haven't been there, but I can't imagine it's that big. It's not that big. Like, it, and then you get access to the rest of Hollywood Studios, which is like, you know, but we're Back to the Future. Or no, not Back to the Future. Um, That's Universal. What the hell do they have at, at Hollywood Studios now? They have Toy Story Land, which we haven't even seen. We haven't been – to uh, Hollywood Studios since they've revamped a lot gotcha. of stuff. Well, either way, like, so it's not a lot. They don't even have the Indiana Jones show back yet. Oh, yeah. So you don't even get like, the cool stunt shows or anything. Mm. Um, but anyways, so you get the, the idea is you run around the little Galaxy's Edge Park, which is like, you know, does the, like half the size of Kennywood, maybe? Not even? like Not sm even. Smaller than no. Kennywood? Wow. Yeah. So like a fourth of Kennywood, you get to run around. So mind you, the theming yeah. is great. Like we have been in the Avatar area of Animal Kingdom, and having not even seen Avatar, we could appreciate the yeah, theming. Yeah, the, bl the blue people. Movie. Yeah. So the theming is going to be awesome. Everything I've seen, it's going to look great, but it's a fuck ton of money. But and 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 you can still get a lot of that experience without paying all that money because yeah. you can just go to the theme park part. And like not stay in a hotel and not like, and that's the thing. Like, do I want to spend $6,000 to sit in a hotel for two days and like do weird little games? Like I can't imagine anything would ever like the, like I could go to a different country. Like mm -hmm. the experience that Disney could provide, yeah. it would not top like traveling to like Ireland or Japan or something like that. And like taking in a whole different country's culture and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, running around with a lightsaber in a theme park can't <laughs> come close to that. I would imagine, like, no matter how big of a Star Wars fan you are. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're we're both Disney people. We're both Star Wars people. We would love to do it. 
But as soon as the price point was announced, that's not worth it for two days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could, you know, spend uh, probably a, not even half, like half, like probably a quarter of that and have a really, really great time at like Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you could and get way more out of it. I mean, Kate, Kate might know the price points better, but like, I feel as you could experience the rest of Disney for really a fraction of that two-day price at a hotel. Yeah, we're going just under a week with flights and food. It still doesn't come to half of that. Yeah. So you can just enjoy the everything that's not the Star Wars immersive experience, or you could just do the Star Wars immersive yeah. experience. The only thing is, I have a feeling, they haven't specifically said that I know of, but I have a feeling that if you aren't staying at the Star Wars resort, you can't go in. Like, oh, to like check out the resort Yeah, to check out the resort. So one nice thing about like the Disney resorts is you can go into all of them and go to all their restaurants, their lounges, or just like, I don't know, enjoy how they look. Yeah. Cause the theming of all of them are all very different and all very cool, but I have a feeling you're not even going to be able to walk into this one. Yeah, I know they'll have stormtroopers posted outside <laughs> <laughs> or, or new orders <laughs> with real guns. Right. Yeah. With, po- right, with, with real guns. guns. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. It's but, a huge bummer. But I don't know. I guess we're we're, we're still going to keep giving them money because we're going to go there and we're going to we're watching Disney Plus and yeah. But that's you know that's, yeah. that's really even even let's say like a really like a like a affluent family or something. I mean that's 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 still like even if you've got money that's still a ridiculous like and you've got like a family with maybe you've got like two, exactly. two or three kids that are all like into star Wars or, or you yourself as a star Wars fan, you, you know, like you want to get your kids into the same thing that gets you excited. Yeah. Like you, you can't, you just, can't. I, I would imagine they just be like, get the kids, put them on the, the family yacht and like do whatever you do when you're rich. <laughs> like I just assume they're, they all have yachts and they're hanging out. And they're yacht <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. There's probably, there's probably something better for rich people to do than go to the star Wars immersive experience. I mean, they're just, that's the thing is they're basically just going to be a bunch of rich incels running around. Yeah. They don't the, have anything else to spend their money on. Like they've already gonna, bought all the like plastic all, waifus. All, yeah, all Silicon Valley is going to be there basically. basically. And like reporters, and it's, and it's really what it is. It's going to be a bunch of like reporters and people going to check it out and report on it and be like, "It's really cool. You should regular people should go pay money to do this." <laughs> Maybe they'll have a coupon day. Right. No, I have a feeling they're just going to look. I think the price is going to drop in a few years. I, I'd be shocked mm-hmm. if it somehow didn't. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It's Disney. Well, I'm, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, not only that, I mean, I mean, prices, you know, typically go up. They never, they hardly ever right. go down. So, yeah. Well, I just feel as if the novelty of it would wear off, though. Like, you're only going to get, I, I, Maybe you'd get return customers for the immersive experience, but it feels if like once you've gone through the storyline, yeah, it's not going to be like, oh, let's do that again. Now, like, so, so when you say the immersive, now, so there's an actual, so is there like an actual, like there's an actual story, there's like a plot, like a, yeah, like, like a, plot. a script a that you follow, sort yeah, of? yeah, there's like a script and like planned events and like the 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 the, the what do they call it the the cast. Mm-hmm. The, the, like the, the, the employees mm-hmm. interact with you and they're, everything's in character. Um, and the things you do around the park affect 
the storyline, I guess. Like, I guess maybe depending on how good you do it, like a game or if you ride a certain ride Mm -hmm. by a certain time, like, you know, whatever, whatever they got going on, it's supposed to affect your experience. That could be a huge, awesome thing, or it could be like the stupidest, tiniest drop in a bucket. A lot of it would depend on who you were doing it with, I'm sure. Like, if you have even one person in your group that's like, oh, this is stupid, mm-hmm. they could bring down the whole vibe. That too, yeah. You're one of my, well, like, only I, the, I, the nerdiest of nerdy I, I, I would hope for what you're paying that everybody's on right. board. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, man, I can't believe I paid all this money and I hate this. Right. I don't yeah. even like Star Wars. Um. <laughs> So do you do they provide costuming? Do you wear your own costumes or can you just like I bet you they hook you, you up with something. Wa- you can just walk around rocking your Levi's and you're like, yo. I'm sure you have to pay for it though. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you have to I'm sure there's a costume shop mm-hmm. where you can get very affordable hundred dollar like cloaks. Yeah, because it's not like you can like rent yeah. I'm sure they're not renting yeah. out costumes. I mean no. because yeah, I, there's no way I mean, especially, you know, if we're in, in the panty D no one's yeah. you know going to be washing other people's sweaty costumes you know yeah yeah no I, I i don't know the answer to that but i think you'd probably have to just buy a costume it's like the harry potter world right like they have a everywhere you go in the harry potter world it's not required but you can easily buy you know whatever house you want to be yeah. in and get their cool wizard robes and then run around the park in those all day. Or those sweet ass overpriced sweaters. Yeah, or or overpriced. So sweaters, I would yes. I would be really interested to find that out because because costuming Star Wars costuming and cosplay is so huge. That, yeah. You know, there are people that I mean, there are entire industries built around Star Wars costuming, and you know, the, all the fan groups and everything that I feel like they would they would have to let people in with their own. Well, I, I could see them not wanting to because they're like, they probably wouldn't. It, normally they, they don't because of, we yeah. want to make a buck and we don't want, well, they want to make, and they don't want the cross. Like they don't want some little kid to run up to like somebody who's not an employee dressed as a character right. and then like something. Yeah. Happens. That's true. Yeah. So, so they, they do have a really strict, like no cosplay. Role. Okay. Usually Halloween. That's kind of fine depending on what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. I just know like, but that might be different. If you're spending six thousand dollars to go to a hotel, they might be like, "Well, you can wear your costume inside the park, yeah, it's, or inside this hotel." Maybe, maybe. there's like a designated know. area or something where it's just really interesting because I because you know knowing how seriously cost the the the, the costume right, community yeah. takes yeah. that stuff that they and they take a lot of pride in it and rightfully so because some of the stuff that these people make is just amazing. Like I yeah. would want to, you know, if, if I had this bitchin custom Mandalorian armor or a stormtrooper outfit, <laughs> right, like, yeah. I'd want to show it off too, and I would want to show it off in the the absolute pinnacle of places to show it off, and it would be this experience, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I don't know. That would be really interesting. I, I I could see them. I could see it going both ways, and I could see people being turned off from that because, I mean, heck, just in general, if if a show for whatever reason does not allow, allow cosplay in general, people are like, you know, but they, they, they've got the torches and pitchforks. They're ready to go. People take their cosplay (laughs) super seriously. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting. I couldn't imagine anybody who likes to cosplay be like, Oh, I'll buy the official Disney branded, right. Uh, whatever. I'll buy the Mandalorian. I'll buy the corporate thing with the, with the word Disney stamped on the side. Yeah. 
Well, that's, I saw, I'm on a Disney forum page and there were a couple of people that were basically like, they, they will pay the money to go, but they also have like really expensive screen accurate costumes that they've had done for them. And it's like, well, I hope you get to wear that cool thing. Right. Yeah, really. You just pack it and you only take pictures in the hotel and make sure nobody sees you. <laughs> or you just you just drive around like you know outside and like hey I'm going to McDonald's you guys want anything and you just walk yeah. in you know <laughs> yeah just like Boba Fett you know was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about or do you want to wrap it up? I have anything super pressing to talk about. Uh, oh, you know what? But for real quick, um, I just wanted to mention some of the the CW stuff real yeah, quick. Yeah, it's not a huge thing. Like we're getting through it slowly and it's been pretty good. Like the great, like if we had to rank it, like what would you say that of what we've watched so far? Like what's been the best thing? Ooh, that's hard. Possibly Batwoman. Although that's hard to give Superman a fair shake. Cause we haven't actually watched all of it. So I think it's only got one more episode left. So I think overall, then I would say Superman, and this is coming from a not Superman fan. I would say the flash is the weakest. Yeah. The flash is really bad. Like, um, if they say lightning rod one more time, <laughs> I'm going to fucking murder them. Yeah. Uh, not, not to get too much in it, but the flash and everything was in a weird spot and they they kind of came back from the pandemic and they tried to resolve their previous plot lines and then start new plot lines. But I feel the flash literally did like six arcs yeah. this season. Like the latest arc, the way they ended the show was like on a totally unrelated thing that I was like, what? Yeah. It, it had, felt very weird. It like caught up with like, it had stuff to do with his daughter that was from the future, which she hadn't had anything to do with the entire season. And then, like, that's what they decided to do, like, a three-episode, three four-episode ending on where we had to, like – I had to look up on the Flash Wikipedia. I was like, who the fuck's this guy <laughs> that came back from the future to, like, fight them? And, like, and they're like, oh, yeah, this was in, like, a random episode that explained the origin of Flash's daughter and, like, whatever. And um, and they had um, – oh, what's his face? Uh, on. No, 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 no. Um, the impulse, the kid, kid Flash. Yes, impulse. Thank you. Um, they had impulse there, and he was good, but also he was literally there for like the finale. So, I don't know. Uh, lo- long story short, though, Flash was like really hard to follow. I, I kept, yeah. Every time I picked it up, I was like, "What's the plot right now?" Because they really they wrapped up the Mirrorverse plot from the last season. They wrapped. They did something with like the different forces. Yep. Instead of the speed force, there was like the strength force and then something else force. Still force. Like a, bu- a bunch of stuff that's probably based off comics, but I it, it, that also lasted. It was like very short, and there was something else that I'm blanking on that uh, like a bunch the, of one shot. The one chick's uh, cousin. Oh yeah, and then like ultraviolet who I guess was from a previous season. There were a lot of plot points. There were a lot of plot points. There was a lot of supporting cast that had only just showed up like last year that were getting like big character arcs. Where it's like, I barely fucking remember who you are. A key character left. That did happen. Yeah. Trying to avoid spoilers. Yes. (laughs) And then, Oh, and then they had like this thing with killer frost, like the trial of killer frost. And then like the next episode, they're like, Oh, it's fine. Whatever. Like the, the results of like this big episode, they're like, is she an evil vigilante or not? Does she have to pay for her past crimes? And then next week they're like, ah, eh, it's fine. She's superheroing again. Everybody's cool with it. Yes. Yeah. 
there's a lot going on. Um, and, it, and Flash was not better for it. I missed Flash having like, as I, I really missed the, the 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 single season arc being like, there's a speedster and we have to defeat him. <laughs> Here's like 20 episodes about us getting ready to fight the, the speedster. <laughs> as much as I hated it. Um, this season was really obvious that they did not have a big bad to focus on, but yeah. And then, Oh, uh, and the only other thing I want to mention, because I know we're going over time. There's been a through line this season with Diggle. That yes! I, can't, I cannot make heads or tails of it. Instead of doing the crossover, John Diggle just shows up once an episode or once a season for a single episode in like every series. Huh? And I don't get it. I don't get what they're doing with it. I thought, I thought it was going to maybe lead to like green lantern. Cause that's how arrow left it off. And like, he shows up in like Batwoman and, and, and they're like, why are you here? And he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, Gotham hospital. Cause I got, I'm getting these weird headaches and then like flash something's going on with them. And he's like still experiencing headaches and this other stuff. And, and he mentions like, Oh, it's been ha- happening ever since I got this, I opened this box and I got to deal with this and blah, blah, blah. And then like, he might have been in Supergirl. I can't remember, but he showed up in Superman, and it really threw yeah. me off because I thought Superman wasn't connected at all. And then suddenly John Diggle just shows up. And That's I'm, how they tell you it's connected somehow. Somehow, but also Superman's kids are adults, or not adults, but they're they're not babies like they were in the crossover. Yeah, they're like older teenagers. And so my head's sitting here, like just trying to wrap around the continuity of it because I'm a comic book nerd, and I'm like. What? How does this fit? Like, did we just retcon a bunch of Superman stuff for this new series? Did this happen because of the crisis? Like, is this the new world that they built that suddenly mm. Superman's family aged up? Why doesn't Superman ever talk about Supergirl or Jimmy Olsen or literally anybody from the Supergirl show? Right. I, I don't know. It was like a weird thing. Um, but I'm not sure what they're doing with it. And I don't even know if it's going to go anywhere before all these shows end. Yeah, I mean, I, it sounds like they just – maybe they're still developing something, but they don't want people to forget who Diggle is. That's my guess. They, they just want to like – like, oh, here's your here's your weekly Diggle. You know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it really is. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, every now and then it'll show up with like special guest appearance by John Diggle just because – like in Superman, it was literally like, oh, we need somebody from Argus. Here's yep. John Diggle. Well, mention Argus and Lila, you know, and, and, and it's a real shame that they, I mean, they, they gave us that great kind of teaser at the end of, that was at the, the finale of arrow, right. Where he, he got, yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. And they really could have, if they were smart and they had started developing it early, they really could have just jumped from arrow, you know, maybe given it half a year or something and and then brought us, Mm Green Lantern, they, they really missed out on that momentum that they built up. Well, and they've been honestly building towards something with Green Lantern from the very beginning, it felt like. Mm-hmm. For a long time. Yeah. For I mean, a really long oh, yeah. time. And it's like, oh, okay, they finally did it. Well, oh, well and, 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 and there were maybe not. There were, and there were even hints in uh, the first season of Flash. Actually, the very first episode of Flash when yeah, they tested stuff. Yeah, they, they, they said, and, oh, it, let, let's go to the abandoned Ferris air. And someone said, oh, isn't that where that pilot disappeared? Right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then there was, like, other flashbacks and when they were in the city, and there's, like, some guy with Jordan written on his sweet, like, yeah. Air Force yep, jacket. Yep, yep. And I it's, saw like, that, yeah. all these things. And you're, like, quit 
fucking dicking me around and well, give me some space that's, cops. That's, that, that's <laughs> been my pain with every time they mention Cord Industries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's Blue Beetle. And I'm like, give me the goddamn Blue Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did, I, I did read something where they're talking about having the the main kid from Cobra Kai play Jaime uh, Jaime Jaime Reyes, I think, is the character. Yeah, yeah, the, the other the, the young Beetle, Blue yeah. Beetle. They they're de- they're going to develop that Blue Beetle into a show. Which I'm okay. like, that's okay. I'll I'll you know that's I I could see that. I could see him even just cameoing and spinning off from like Titans or something yeah. or or Star Girl, like having a special appearance by this other young right. kid. This young kid series show. And go yeah, I mean they—they they, that's how they—that's how they uh, spun off Flash. You know, uh, yeah. Grant Gustin had a two—a two-episode uh, appearance in Arrow, and then—and that's how they—they they did a backdoor pilot for uh, you know for Flash, which worked yeah. out really well. Oh, absolutely. So, if the gods would have been willing, uh. Black Lightning could have ended with a pilot for Static Shock, oh. but no, that's another one that ended. Black Lightning, yeah, I, not to get into that, but that uh, that also suffered from too many. It tried to do two seasons in one season because yep. it was its last season. You're like, here's everything. Uh, here's a back tour pilot for a show that got canceled. It's not happening, but you still have to watch it. And <laughs> it was just a really messy last season for that show, which is really unfortunate because it had a really good story. Yeah. And acting and soundtrack. It was really well done, and they kind of oh, yeah. shit the bed on that last I, season. I, I lost the thread on that, but I, I did watch the full f- first season. And I mean, just from, from the first episode, that was just a fantastic first season of a, of a show. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, even down to the soundtrack, I'm like, it's got some bangers on it, man. It's got some, yeah. you know, some good music and some good, you know, good stories, like good, like, real like realistic stories but still like but there was still the ser- like the superhero aspect even mm-hmm. fun but like they, they you know they they told some some real deep stories on that show yeah, yeah absolutely um i don't know i feel as if cw is just slowly like or, or not cw but wb is slowly just funneling all of its money into hbo and like Mm. trying to let all the, like, I don't know, trying to funnel all their superhero shows over there. Maybe like, you know, Titans and I, I, yeah. is that the only well, Titans and Harley Quinn and, and doom patrol is doom patrol coming. Cause they, they've done two seasons or they, there is a, there should be a third season from what I remember. Okay. Reading. They did confirm a third season. Good. Okay. I'm so far behind on um, that as well. Uh, they, yeah. Well, their other season was like really short. It was, yeah. It was like eight episodes or something because okay. I don't know if it was because of the pandemic or not, but like it, it wrapped up really fast. Yeah, I've got a lot. Of- yeah, I don't know. And 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 the CG on the on the CW shows it gets worse and worse every season. <laughs> it really does. The budget, like, there's a thing in the Flash where they all went like into the Speed Force to do a big fight, and it looked it looked fucking miserable. And I was like, please just get out of this action scene. This looks like a cutscene from the original PlayStation. Like, it's just bad. <laughs> Um, and, and you could tell that there's CG, but and like, or John Jones and Supergirl gets to be Martian Manhunter for like a total of one minute for like oh, a whole yeah. season. Like they just cut. They're like, you just running around as your normal human guy yep. for the entire yeah, you, series. You never see him as Martian Manhunter. 
Yeah, so they're they're. I think they made too many superhero shows, and now they're just like bleeding out. They're they're all on a shared budget, mm-hmm. and so their their CG budget's just shot. So I don't know. Long story short, I think a lot of CW shows are on their deathbed. And and, and the and and the real the, the the real crying shame is, I forget was it at the end of. Yeah, it was at the end of Crisis, the the Crisis crossover in the like one of the final scenes when they were in that big warehouse and they they're like oh yeah the cool just yeah oh here's our table with all our chairs and and we could grow into something and i'm like that's never gonna happen no No. it's absolutely no it it was such a hopeful moment it's like oh how many people in that scene even have series anymore Mm -hmm. we're like (laughs) yeah yeah that's a bummer because and that because black black lightning's gone supergirl's gonna be gone uh, Batwoman's not even the same person anymore. Like it, the the Green Arrow and the Black and the Canaries or whatever that show never took off. Yeah, that no. Nope. Which yeah, which I it's probably yeah. It's I think it's for the best. I think I, yeah. I I watched like the whatever pilot for that, and I'm like, this is just more of the same. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm interested enough in the futuristic world, but like not I don't know. Eh. It's not like that. Yeah. There, there's, I, I would be more interested in seeing like the the Flash's future daughter doing cool things. Yeah. I guess is than, than the- is is Legend still breathing? Yeah. Believe it or not, it's. I, th- I feel as it might still be one of the better shows somehow. That's crazy. That's the show because it gives no fucks and it just has. Yeah. Fun. That's, yeah. That's the show that the, nobody this, expected to to last. This season's arc is like, oops, aliens fell into the time stream. We have to prevent alien invasions throughout like yep. the eras now because they're they, uh, like the last season ended with Sarah getting abducted by aliens. And then like, it's all David Bowie's fault. Yeah. And then some things, yeah. And then some things happen and now they're just fighting aliens and doing like space stuff, which is cool. So all, all that from the show where like they had to get the, for Hawkman recruited some people to like fight mm-hmm. Vandal Savage. That was such a terrible season. Yeah. The first season was probably the worst, even though I, I think it had the best cast overall as far as they have really good cast. Like, it, yeah. it was, it was the most faithful to like, Oh, this is a team of superheroes. Whereas yeah. I, I feel like, like the team has just evolved to the point where it's just like, ah, we're just a bunch of people going through time. Yeah, it's a band of misfits yeah. just fucking yeah. bumbling their way through time. Yeah, but yeah, but. I mean, if, if if you would have asked me at the end of season one, oh, how you know, do you think <laughs> how many? Yeah, seasons? I would have been like, oh, it might go one more, but that'll be it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what like what, what's it on like season five now? Five, five or six, six? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's crazy. Wild. It, it it outlived Black Lightning. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can uh, start wrapping it up. I just wanted to say real quick, because uh, t- I forgot to say at the beginning of the show, but uh, I just want to mention one of our sponsors, uh, New Dimension Comics. They're having um, some cool events coming up this Saturday, the 7th. Their Butler store is having a big anniversary sale celebrating 20 years in Butler, Just crazy. 50% off all dollar books, which is awesome. So check them out. And then uh, local legend Ron Friends um, is going to be doing some appearances for his new book, The Heroes Union. Uh, He's doing a signing on uh, August 11th. He's going to be at the Pittsburgh Mills store 
and he's going to be at the Cranberry store. And then at, on August 12th, he's going to be at the waterfront. So if you are a fan of Ron friends and why aren't you? Because he's drawn just about everything. <laughs> um, he's actually, th- this is something I didn't realize, but it may, but now that I think about it, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's one of the few artists to actually be the regular artist on Spider-Man and Superman. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he's drawn action comics, Spider-Man, Captain America, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Star Wars back in the early days. Thor was another one that he drew a lot of. Oh, he created Thunderstrike. I mean, yeah, done just so much. And he's still he's still out there working. So and and he he's such a he's just the friendliest guy. If you've never met Ron Friends, this is a great opportunity to actually meet him in a, a comic book environment. Unlike the very first time I ever met Ron friends, which was at a taco bell. <laughs> I swear to God, this is, this is no joke. This was like nine, nine in the early nineties, like 1992, 93. I was going to the art Institute of Pittsburgh. And this is when, yeah. uh, there was really not the, the internet that we know of today did not exist back then. Bulletin boards were still literal bulletin boards. And there was mm-hmm. a flyer on a bulletin board at the Art Institute. Uh, Marvel Comics artist Ron Friends meet him at Taco Bell on McKnight Road on this date. Wow! And I'm like, that's all, awesome. because you know I had never met like an actual, yeah, bona fide com- like comic book professional before. And I'm like, this is great. So I got in my car on the day, and I and but you know, but like I'm just, I'm like, man, I don't. But at the time, I wasn't like reading anything that he drew. I I found randomly like in an like an uncanny X Men annual, he did like an Archangel pinup, <laughs> and I took that with me. That was the only thing I had to for him to sign. But he was also doing sketches, and so you know I stood in line with like literally like five other people in the middle of a Taco Bell on McKnight Road. <laughs> Uh, so so random. I don't know. I don't know who set that up. I I asked him to draw Night Thrasher for me. Yeah, because he I think he helped create Night Thrasher because the because the New Warriors didn't like their first appearance was not New Warriors number one. It was actually in Thor when he was drawing Thor. I asked him for Night Thrasher and I still have it. It's framed on my wall. Oh, that's awesome. But I, I the funniest thing the guy in front of me. I'm like, I feel like he really, he really missed an opportunity because he's like, Ron's like, oh, what can I, or, you know, he's like, uh, what can I draw for you? And he's like, oh, I'd love a drawing of Professor Xavier. And Ron's just like, okay. And he literally just drew like a bald, like a bald guy <laughs> with like, with like squiggly lines coming out of his head. It took him like two seconds. He's like, there you go. I'm like, I'm like, I ain't getting no bald headed professor. That's gotta be the most boring <laughs> really? character wow, yeah all the like hundreds okay. of thousands of characters can you, you can ask it? for and you pick professor x i'm like right yeah I'm like ron friends give me night thrasher he's like we'll do buddy <laughs> so I, at least you didn't ask him to like sign a burrito or that's right. This is all I got. I got I bought this burrito right. <laughs> you, could you could you sign this burrito wrapper? Oh yeah. Oh no. Better yet, I should have had him draw something on the burrito wrapper. That would have been great. Oh yeah. That would be yes. Nice. <laughs> but I'm I'm pleased to still have that uh, 
that great picture, that sketch awesome. on my wall framed. It's, uh, it's in a place of prominence because it's uh, just a nice reminder of such a, what a weird, weird afternoon. <laughs> so right. Right. It really is. Um, bottom line. If you get a chance to meet a comic book professional, do it. Whether it's a Taco yeah. Bell. <laughs> Even if it's at a Taco Bell. But yeah, go meet Ron Friends at one of those locations on either August 11th or August 12th. You will not be sorry. And that's it. That's all I got. Any final final words? Anything else? Uh, Not that I can think of, no. Nah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, <laughs> this has been Comic Book Pit Episode 387. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, we've got Kate and Link. See ya. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.